What's up, everyone? It is December 11th, 2019. Welcome into Washington Football Crunch. I am Micah Chen of Cascadia Preps, and I'm joined by Luke Monger of Dogman and the latest WSU graduate, Jackson Garner. How does <laughs> yeah, it feel, congrats. Jackson? <laughs> oh, it feels very good. Back in Woodenville, and I, I certainly feel like a graduate, so, you know. I'm excited. I'm excited for what's next, um, which I, I don't really necessarily know what is next, but you <laughs> oh, know, course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited to uh, pursue different avenues and, and see what's up in, in the sports sports journalism world. I, I don't want to make you think pursuing avenues was not something in sports journalism because that's definitely the plan. Do you feel but, a sense uh, of freedom right now? Like you can be anything yes. you want and you oh, can go yes. anywhere you want. And it's <laughs> honestly, it's 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 a little like daunting, uh, not overwhelming. Daunting a little bit. is maybe not the right word. I just feel like I. I I have no obligations to anything and I have nothing to do. Therefore it's like oh, I need I need like some sort of obligation. You know, I need something to do. Some today. pressure, yeah. And yeah, I have like absolutely nothing to do, you know. Except for drive. So how many days officially has it been since like your last school assignment? Uh so I actually finished an online final today. That's right, it's all online for you now. Yeah, and then uh which was my last my last final and then I had left on, what did I leave? I left on Thursday, I think it was. Yeah, Thursday and was done. So I finished up on Thursday and then was back back on Friday. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be curious to know how, just like how quickly, because like you said, I mean, obviously you're excited to explore different avenues, but I'm sure you'll enjoy uh, the time off for a bit. Yes. I'll be curious to know just how quickly the days disappear over the next week between our next recording and now. <laughs> I don't know, man. We'll, we'll we'll find out because, like, I, I I guess a little bit I've had this since like since I got back on Friday, like, cause you know I had a final today, but that was that was the one thing that I had to do. <laughs> it's been like so like four days now, mm-hmm. and it's like ooh man, like I just feel like I have to be doing something. Your life so, is I mean, passing you by. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't like. I don't know if I'll get over that, and I I might just like kind of get in the groove of just not doing anything and just be able to chill out for a while. I hope that's what happens. I kind of want myself to just not do anything for like yeah, a little while. Recharge the battery. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I am, I'm going to, to Whistler with some friends in January and then I'm going to Hawaii in February with my family. Oh, that's so sweet. they'll definitely have plenty of time to recharge. But I'm also like, oh, what's next? What's got to sign that you know? lease, man? <laughs> got to get a dog. Out, and... I gotta, yeah, you know, I got to figure out what's next. But that's not even what we were supposed to be talking about. You, you guys blindsided me with this graduation talk. Hey, we're happy for you, Jackson. I well, think. Uh, thank you. We've we've been a part of this journey for a while now. Yeah, so yeah. It's, we it's we did really give cool. Luke his we did give Luke his his graduation his five talk. minutes of fame. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> we needed you to have yours. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jackson, you still write for Kook fan. And uh, so you still got a lot of investment in this season. And bowl games were announced this past Sunday. UW will be playing Boise State in the Las Vegas Bowl. And WC will play Air Force in the Cheez-It Bowl. Mm-hmm. Now, I am personally intrigued by both of these games. But I'm curious where your guys' excitement level is at right now. For me, like I, yeah, yeah I, I'm super excited for one reason. And it's a personal reason. My cousin right now... Nick Wrench is um, a freshman at Boise, and for whatever reason, he's just taken it upon himself to run his mouth all season long, <laughs> as if Ooh. going uh, eleven and one in the Mountain West is like this big accomplishment <laughs> now. Well, is he is he with the angle of we're better off without Coach Pete right now? Like, N- no, no, but he's just like not that he, he keeps it like i guess he thinks or at least he says he thinks and i'll be curious to find out how serious he is about this that like boise state would just blow the doors off the huskies if they met up wow which oh, is wow just blast like it is just not even close <laughs> to the truth yeah no no <laughs> so, i i, I there, there is a large gap between the mountain west and the pac-12 and exactly I that's, like and i guess you know I always think of that Wyoming game, Wyoming and WSU, and and admittedly that was a team that Josh Allen was not a part of. He he graduated at that point, but it was like still a large majority of that team was together. Like they still had mm-hmm. a pretty good defense. Yeah, and like they hung around with WSU for like a half, but like at the end of the day, they just like blew right past them. It's like there's just such a large gap. Yeah, and that's exactly. just one example, but you know, 
you could pro- you could look to so many different examples of how far the gap between uh, the Mountain West is. No, it, it is. So, I mean, for that reason, I'm personally very excited. But I also think as much as Husky fans are going to make fun of national media for um, just hammering this Chris Peterson, Boise State yeah. storyline, which they're going to probably to like a, a, an annoying end. Um, It'll probably sell some tickets, though. It will sell some tickets. Oh, sure, and like, yeah. you know, it's something, you know? It, yeah. Like, it, like, you know. Chris Peterson probably hates it, which is what's funny about it. Um, oh yeah, he for sure hates it. And then the other, or at least just the attention about it. And, and then just on top of that, I mean, I, I just think in a weird way, already the Chris Peterson stepping down, I think, has given even this season a new sort of energy because just how negative was Husky Nation? So like as recently as I don't know the Friday or the Thursday, like Thanksgiving. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Like people, like people were, were ready to, I mean, I don't know, like firebush. There was never, yeah, there was never like more the, question. Yeah, exactly. Done people about the were upset in a while. With, with the direction uh, of the program. We weren't developing players. We weren't using the young talent, even though we're recruiting in, I guess at, to um, a level that we haven't in recent years. Like, you know, it, it feels like all these right things, like, or it feels like, in a way, all these things are going right, but at the same time, uh, we just results. like the Huskies couldn't piece anything together. Yeah. And now Chris Peterson steps down. There's this interesting storyline for the final bowl game. People are excited about Jimmy Lake. Uh, Jimmy, like, I, like I don't think Jimmy Lake necessarily hinted at staffing changes coming, but he left the door open in his press conference to that happening. Mm-hmm. So all, there are all these question marks, and I, I think for that reason, or I think because Chris Peterson is stepping down, it, it's given now a seven and five season. Uh, like an interesting, um, I guess, I don't know how to articulate it, but just like an yeah, interesting, no, I guess, conclusion. outlook. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why yeah. do you think he's having such an internal battle with playing Boise State in his last game? Like, cause he, he said that he'd personally rather be playing a lot of other teams, but he, he doesn't yeah, know anybody on that roster anymore. Like, it's, I know. It's, like, it's, it's just, I think, poetic. obviously, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend like I know the ins and outs of the athletic department over at Boise State, but I'm sure there are people from the administration that he still knows. And then, oh, yeah. um, Obviously, it's going to bring a lot of attention that he doesn't want just to himself and, and I guess, his history. Not that he has, like, a history that he doesn't want people to know about, but you know what I mean. It's just, like, people bringing up unnecessary factors. uh, He's really trying to get away from He does not not enjoy being a part of, like, the extra narrative around football that helps sell football. Like, he is very much a exigent, like, I play football, I'm about the players, but... For me to participate in selling this this narrative for for the TV for the media, it like comes I don't circle. I don't want to be a part of that. So, yeah, I mean I understand why he wouldn't like this matchup. I'm sure, sure it has and nothing to do with like you know playing old friends like that. I'm you know I'm sure he's fine with that. I'm sure he might even enjoy that. But it's just being a part of this extra narrative, mm-hmm. and and it's an you know like you said it's an obvious storyline. But I'm sure he doesn't appreciate that. Yeah, and what's also interesting is uh, at least I remember when he like the Huskies first squared up against Boise State in 2015, Jake Browning's first game. Uh, obviously, ton of media attention around that as well. And Chris Peterson, the word that he kept using to describe kind of the matchup was awkward. Right. And so and I, that might have obviously been a little more awkward. I mean, obviously, uh, he was tight with Coach Harson and a lot of the staff there. He had just recently left. Um, like And like Micah pointed out, in terms of players, none of the guys he recruited there are there anymore. Um, but I wonder if it still feels awkward to him so much as it's just burdensome that, uh, you know. Yeah, maybe. Th- th- this is still going on. Yeah. Well, what's a bit of an awkward conversation is the fact that Hunter Bryant and Trey Adams, they're, they've said that they're, I don't know if Trey Adams has, has come out and said it. I know Hunter Bryant has, that they're not, well, they're not going to be participating. And yeah, like, should they take any heat from the fans? Should there be an uproar over their decision not to participate? Like, oh, you're not like, you got to be a part of the team. You know, this is like, this is the biggest game of the year. Like Hunter Bryant should be there, right? So I was surprised by how, like, by how I reacted to this because I it, it hasn't really happened to the Huskies yet that they've had like kind of a big player 
uh, miss a bowl game. And obviously Taylor Rapp missed the Rose Bowl last year, but that wasn't something that he announced beforehand, which is one reason that I think he didn't get a lot of heat for it. And then I was surprised that like, obviously Taylor Rapp, Trey Adams say they're not going to play. And my reaction kind of was, well, they've both been hurt before and it is just the Vegas bowl after all. But I'm like, holy cow. I never thought I would have said that. Like, Four, this combination of five factors, years ago. yeah, yeah, like that, you know, but who would have thought this situation would arise? I think kind of the context. I, I personally don't have a problem with it. Both of them, like, not only have both of them been hurt, both have had ACL injuries, like obviously a very serious injury, uh, in, in something that I guess has long-term career implications. Uh, so I'm not surprised that both of them figure if this, like, the 2019 Vegas Bowl has no long-term implications on the program. Um, I think they both are making a reasonable and well-informed decision uh, to sit this one out and, and not risk, I guess, like uh, I guess, their careers yeah. for well, a game that's not going to mean anything in the long run. Furthermore, has Trey Adams not given enough? Like, has oh he not yeah, put I mean, forth, you're seeing, like, seriously, he, I mean, Trey like, Adams. Yeah, for, Trey Adams yeah. Is, for I guess as a little attention as he gets for it should be considered one of the like most well-loved and revered Huskies of this generation. Yeah. And considering it's also, it's, like, you, what were you saying? Sorry about I, that. I was going to say it's all like, even considering like kind of like the unfortunate nature, like he was thought to be like a surefire first round pick. Had to Andre. Dillard now sure. that's <laughs> like, that's in question because of his health. And I would say, you know, a large of it is probably, he's just not as athletic as he once was after two knee surgeries. Right. A knee surgery and a back surgery. Knee surgery and a back surgery. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he he just isn't quite the same athlete he as he once was, and like, you know, he endured those injuries. Like he he could have he could have left. He could have gone pro. He could have got you know paid first round money, and he didn't. Uh, and so I, I think like remembering that, which will probably go unforgotten or probably go be forgotten. Yeah. But that he you know there was a lot of money he left on the table. And Certainly. to come back and then play for this team, and, and it was largely disappointing. But you know, it, it's it's just unfortunate, you know. No, it is unfortunate. And then also, I mean, like you said, at one point projected to be a first round draft pick, uh, like several times has been a preseason All America selection. Uh, but he's had the knee and back surgery, and uh, I remember when he came back towards the end of, I guess, what was his fourth year on campus last year. And uh, obviously throughout the season, when it was starting to look like he was actually going to be able to play a little bit that season, people started to ask when he was playing again, like, are you going to bounce like and take your shot while you have an opportunity, I guess. And he kind of was saying the right things, you know, uh, or what like seemed like the right things at the time. Like, no, like I'm going to like, I want to stay for my final year. Like I love the University of Washington, my guys. And I remember it got to the point, I think it was after the the uh, Apple Cup last year. They asked Trey if he was going to return, and he was like, basically something along the lines of like, when are you guys going to stop asking this ridiculous question? <laughs> like, I wouldn't yeah. leave my last year of the University of the Washington for the world, which yeah. was awesome. I mean, he yeah, he poured so much into this program, and uh, yeah, I mean, he should be well-loved forever. Hunter Bryant, it, it, it feels similar to Byron Murphy in the sense that he only played like 20 games at the UW, um, but I think this one... Uh, people could see coming from a mile away. Yeah. They've made such positive impacts, like you said, and they've influenced the university in such a great way that it wouldn't really be very respectful to burn that bridge at this point, at this stage in their UW careers by getting angry about them for making this decision. Just, it's not, it, it's not worth it. You know, it's, it's not, it's not worth for the fans to be angry just so they can play like 47 snaps in the, in the bull game. And you still got Kate on you got guys that can uh, step up at tackle and, That'll be leading you into the future. So uh, that's uh, that's what we got for the Vegas Bowl so far. Uh, let's take a look at the Cheez It Bowl. It takes place on December twenty seventh with a seven fifteen p.m. kickoff. And uh, unfortunately for a lot of UW fans, uh, sorry, for a lot of WCU fans, they're bummed out that it's not going to take place in Las Vegas. It will instead that's be in true. Phoenix. But it doesn't seem so bad. It's a I modern mean, city. <laughs> they got, it's they like got, sun. You know, it's it's, it's warm. It's nice, yes, nice weather. So I mean, like. It is sort of a consolation for Vegas. Obviously, that was the desired location. But yeah, I I will not be there. And I haven't actually told you guys this yet, but I won't be covering the game either. This will be the first WSU football game that I have just watched, just 
sit down, drink a beer, and watch a football game since uh, 2017 when uh, Tyler Holinsky uh, beat the Boise, Boise State. State. Yeah, wow. the Miracle at Martin. That was the last game. Have you have you announced this at all on social media or any uh, any this platform? Is, this is breaking news, actually. Yeah, I Whoa. haven't actually I haven't actually announced this. Uh, yeah. But I, I won't be covering it. I'm just going to be going to be watching as a fan, which is exciting for me. That's that's precisely well deserved, why I am might excited. I add. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. It's it's been a lot of work and um, a lot of I was miles, excited <laughs> for just this last game to just kind of and, and you know I'll have plenty of time to just uh, enjoy um, WSU football in, in the yeah. future. But you know. Well- if One you don't mind me kind of kind stepping of in here, Jackson, I'm curious, how would you say you're like, for, like obviously grew up a Husky, have covered WSU uh, for the entirety of your, your Pullman career. Mm-hmm. How would you, I guess, articulate your level of passion for WSU, WSU football? That's a great question, to be honest with you. I, and I don't know. I think my passion for it kind of comes and goes. I look at WSU very objectively, and I, I, you know, the first thing that stands out to me is just the ridiculousness of the, you know, the circumstances that WSU finds itself in. It's just, you know, it by all means, it it should be the weak link of the Pac-12, and in some respects, it is. But you know, every now and again, they kind of emerge and rise above it, and that's when you really feel that passion and love for it when they really, you know, when they're doing something that they just shouldn't be doing and Mm -hmm. and they somehow find ways to do that. But, you know, with that being said, I still observe it very objectively. You know, um, I don't have, you know, these like crazy love affairs with players. And I think that's, you know, like the whole Gardner Minshew thing, like I was covering it at the time. So the, it wasn't as, you know, the the hoopla wasn't as much as there for me. It wasn't as, as organic. Other people. Yeah. yeah, and I mean to to think about that, like that's one of the most exciting seasons in WSU history. And um, if you weren't even in, and it I then, was like, I yeah. was approaching it from just a very objective point of view and, and writing about you know how remarkable and unprecedented it was. But and I think that kind of carries over. So I, you know I've thought about that actually, Luke. Like, what does my fanhood? to this university look like once I'm done. Cause I've spent so much time covering it. My, like the, the days where you're usually developing your fanhood, I spent covering it and, and trying to look at it more objectively. Whereas most people are getting more subjective to it because they're developing this love for the university mm-hmm. and the football program. So I, I think it's going to be interesting. I, st- I still think I'm going to approach them very objectively. I, I, you know, but I also think, you know, just starting to cover sports wins and losses kind of, you know, they don't carry as much meaning and it's more just like, Oh, how much did I enjoy, you know, the drama of the game or something like that. That's kind of what I uh, kind of cling to and what I'm passionate about. So, you know, I really don't know what it's going to look like, but I think I will probably warm up to being more subjective, maybe being a little more cynical, uh, because that was one thing that I always noticed. It's like kind of at the core of being a WSU fan, there is, you know, you are a little, you have to be a little cynical because you have to acknowledge that most of the time you're, you're dealing with defeat. And, you know, maybe it hasn't been like that for the last five years in football, but like, in in the long run that's what it's been like so you know i don't know i'm rambling here a little bit but no it's I, interesting I, you know i just think it, it it will develop you know i think it'll it'll grow and i'll i will become more of a a coog fan no pun intended uh, <laughs> yeah waka um, waka <laughs> yeah what a great joke right there you, so but, yeah if you were like a early childhood major and like it's a childhood education you know like yeah. something like totally unrelated to media communications and you really during your core wsu experience just got to be a a kook Saturday, you know, uh, game, yeah, game yeah. fan and uh, just be an idiot, you know, get drunk and, and you know, just like, just do the And just have fun, yeah, no, I mean, well, that. and the like, thing that's... is, like, I did that my freshman year, 
my freshman and some some part of my sophomore year. Like I did that. Yeah. So yeah. you know, and if that I had continued, a good idea. If, if that like yeah, but I and, no, like, I do think fanhood continued yeah. for four years. I think I would have been much more interested in the hoopla of the twenty eighteen season. Less level headed. Yeah. Yeah, but I I also think that like a lot of my time covering WSU was just keep you continuously run into the same predict or the same like kind of absurdity. It's Glass like ceiling. <laughs> WSU they. They walk like a group of five team. They talk like a group of five team. <laughs> you know, why are they not considered like a group of five team? But like for some ridiculous they're reason, for practice, they're a yeah. power five <laughs> football team. And it's like, this is such a ridiculous predicament. It's like, it's in some respect. And, th- and this is where I think some people have a problem with John Blanchett t- kind of branch off here is that he really points out this absurdity that WSU find himself in. And sometimes he kind of laughs at it. Which I think a lot of WSU fans like, no, you should like say like, oh, well, you know, it's not WSU's fault. Like, you know, he should somehow pity them. And he, he doesn't really do that. And I, I kind of admire that train of thought where it's like you almost once it's once it's so ridiculous like this, because no other school and I mean, not no other school, but to WSU's degree, it's a very interesting situation to be in. And uh at what point can you just other than kind of just laugh at the ridiculousness of it? I yeah. don't know. I that's so that's kind of the approach I took to it, and it certainly has affected my fanhood. Yeah, you're taking a, a corporate entity like a a global powerhouse brand and putting it in the confines of a tiny town in the middle of nowhere with not a whole lot going for it outside of its people. I mean, it. Yeah, not yeah. I mean, not like a powerhouse brand, but like you know when you are a member when you're a part of a power five you know team yeah, that's you get, that's you exactly get what you stacked are. up against yeah, the rest yeah. of the power five teams and wsu does not look like that at all like they you know so it's it's just interesting and and you know people want to win kind of like you know throw the five last five seasons that mike lee just put together as evidence that like oh wsu is every bit a power five school as you know the rest of them but that's just so not true like and a lot of that has to do with the finances, how the finances shake out. But, you know, so I just I've always thought that that was just the weirdest thing. And most of my time in journalism, I was like exploring that instead of being. And I would say this is a critique of WSU fans kind of being uh, oblivious to that, you know, that whole situation that WSU is kind of defying the odds every time they win. <laughs> like they, there's certain there's a level of expectation from WSU fans that their team should be winning, that they should be competing with everyone else. And, and I, I don't fault them for thinking that because there are so many times where WSU has done amazing things, and it's you know it's really remarkable when that happens. But you can't forget that when you look at it from the most objective point of view, WSU should never be doing that stuff. Yep. Yet they still do. Recent so, success and kind of can yeah, your reality. Yeah, but. it's very interesting, and it's you know it's it's a, very much a roller coaster ride. Um, but you know that kind of adds to the excitement of it. Well, I I think that you will be uh, supporting them against Air Force, even if you don't like feel it now. Like once it, once it gets going a little bit, you're gonna want to see. Oh it no! And I think I mean I I am excited to definitely be like cheering for for WSU a little bit more. You know, I, I won't be in a press box. I'll be in you know probably in a bar or a living room. You know, something like that. So like, um, I'm excited for that. You know, I I just haven't been able to do it. And and you know. Then don't get me wrong. Like I get excited when like big plays happen. Like, but you can't really cheer. You can't, you know, you can't have fun with it. There's a level of professionalism that's expected. So I'm excited to indulge in all of that. Well, it could potentially be a long day then because they're going up against the triple option. And uh, the good news is they have a little bit more time to prepare. It's not just the game wedged between you know in the regular season. You know, like where they have to. Oh, and it's Tuesday and now we got to play these guys on Saturday and they're yeah. doing a brand new offense. Um, do you think that like WSU they have almost the right mindset to slow down like such a like a physical uh, downhill mindset uh, for as far as Air Force's offense you know it's triple option they're they're gonna run the ball and they're gonna control the clock like is is yeah. the personnel in place like do they have the the like the confidence right now to stop a rushing attack like this I think if anything from covering this season it was like you really do not know what you're gonna get out of the defense and. I mean, you can definitely, you could, should certainly be skeptical of what you're going to get. But, uh, you know, there were some times where it's like, wow, the, you know, you know, think of Stanford, like late in the season, shutting down the Stanford, you know, 
rushing game to six yards. Shutting down the... Who would have um, thought that was going to happen? But, you know, also teams like Northern Colorado yeah. rushing for 200-plus yards. Like, I think, you know, I'm concerned against with WSU against any offense, let alone the triple option offense. So, I mean, I certainly don't think they're going to do well, but I think on defensively but i think you know can the can anthony gordon and the offense keep up maybe and and again you're looking at, at a group of five team so naturally wsu is going to have a little bit of edge in terms of talent and i think the academies don't necessarily attract as much talent but they do but they do attract kind of that that grittiness and the discipline that it takes to run a triple triple option offense so it kind of lends into their hand in that sense but I don't know. I mean, I'm not, you know, I think I'm excited to kind of lament about WSU's defense, really just kind of moan and groan and just kind of, instead of just saying, ah, well, you know, it is what it is really kind of just bask in, in, you know, not enjoying what I'm seeing. So, and then again, maybe I won't be, so I I don't know, but I I think it'll, it'll be interesting. (sighs) I want a picture of you thumbs downing the screen after Air Force's <laughs> <Yeah>. first score. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, who knows? Like, if it's just like a, you know, just like a seven play, eighty-five yard drive, like one like play action pass, like you'll definitely you'll definitely see one of those. But I, I don't know. It might have to maybe have a, to give a, it a Jake Browning style. I'm, shot I'm still yeah. <laughs> I'm still uh, a pr- fairly neutral on how I see things. So I don't know if if I'll be overreacting in the first quarter so uh the old league the pac-12 old league list came out uh this past uh few days and mm-hmm. uh let's let's try and find out like which of these guys could actually potentially get drafted you know we mentioned hunter bryant and trey adams uh but on the UW side you know levi Anzarike, savant Ahmed, joe tryon the, i feel like those are the three guys that would be eligible to go to the nfl this year right as underclassmen yeah joe tryon like you mentioned is eligible uh, Svon Ackman, yep. Levi Onzerike, another guy that's draft eligible that people have talked about potentially leaving this year, uh, UW Legacy, Jackson Sermon. I mean, Jackson Kirkland, my bad, Jackson Kirkland. Um, Elijah but Molden yeah, just as well. Terms, sorry, what was that? Elijah Molden. Oh, and then Elijah Molden, of course. I can't believe that I just left that one off there. But yeah, Elijah Molden as well. Obviously, his dad uh, played at Oregon. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think... Uh, and Jacob Eason. <laughs> yeah, well, and then one other guy yeah, who was named, yeah. he was second team, Ryan Bowman, second team. Uh, he's draft eligible and still an underclassman, even though it feels like he's been at UW for seven years. God, um, hasn't it? Then? Seriously. Yeah, and then, uh, but yeah, those guys, you know, like you said, underclassmen getting um, that all Pac-12 honor. It, it's interesting. Uh, I, I like, obviously, I don't think it says any, or it, it um uh, it influences their draft stock in any way, shape, or form if they get recognized by the Pac-12, especially uh, because I don't think after the Oregon-Utah Conference Championship, there's a lot of respect for the Pac-12 nationally at this moment in time. Uh, however, it is definitely a quiver in the hat yeah. of, uh, that, of all of those players. I mean, obviously... It's a resume booster, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you had to pick like one or two guys from that list, like again outside of Bryant and Adams, like oh to who, who, to, to yeah, glare for the draft, you could join them. Yeah, at the I would say Levi Onzerike is probably the leader in the clubhouse of that mm-hmm. group of guys that will likely end up uh, throwing their name in the hat. Uh, I think honestly, I think even though he's not on the list in terms of underclassmen to declare, I think Jackson Kirkland might be next, um, mm-hmm. and then I think, gosh, I mean if it, I would have to, to oh okay, hold on, yeah. Jacob Eason. Sorry. Oh, well, yeah. Jacob Eason. We keep forgetting Jacob Eason. I know. Because <laughs> he he also does not feel like an underclassman. He's leaving. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. feel like he's leaving. <laughs> yeah, and you feel like he's already, you feel like he's gone. He's got one foot out the door, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's not to say that he's 100% gone. I think Levi Onzerike, I still think Levi Onzerike has the highest chance of anyone to leave, uh, which should say more than anything. It, that's not to read that as, oh, Luke thinks Jacob Eason is going to stay. I think that means Le- Levi Onzerike almost 100% chance. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the other hand, I think Jacob Eason might be right behind him. The one guy that I think people might be curious about, um, Elijah Molden. Yeah. For whatever yeah. reason, I think Elijah Molden's sticking around. He, he loves yeah. it enough and he likes the routine and he likes where he's at and on the depth chart. and Yeah, you know, and I think... He's got a um, chance to be a leader with Miles Bryant. Coming. I mean, at least from... And this is all coming from Scott Eklund, dogman.com. 
an excellent recruiting insider for the Washington Huskies. He, uh, at least the perception that he got from Elijah and his family during the recruiting process is that uh, the academic part of the University of Washington isn't just something that they like kind of told reporters that they cared about, but is actually something that was important in his decision mm. to play at the University of Washington. And for that reason, I think that's another reason that he comes back to UW. Unless you're Seville Smalls, you can't graduate in three years. You got you got to take all the classes. Yes, you got you got to get it all done. <laughs> You got to get it all done. You can't just, oh, you don't need to take this one. Oh, you don't need to take this one. Yeah. Graduating the first years. ever, like, 130 credit, like, <laughs> graduation plan. Yeah. Built just for, uh, built for life, you know, so. Yeah. So, uh, and then also Anthony Gordon was named second team uh, mm-hmm. behind Tyler Huntley. And, and statistically, he should be first team. But it's kind of hard uh, to do that when you know, when you got a three and six conference record and yeah, sixteen yeah. interceptions. Or, 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 I mean, yeah, you know, somebody that won. I don't fault games. anyone for putting him in second team. I think Tyler Huntley at the first team was was very appropriate. You know, so I mean, yeah, like if you want to look at the disproportionate stats of like the passing game, like. I, I just don't think that that is an accurate way to summarize which quarterback meant most to you that team. You got to watch the tape. I yeah. certainly think Tyler Huntley meant. The oh most yeah. Oh team. yeah. If you're talking yeah. about how much they mean to the team, we've already been over this. Yeah, Anthony Gordon is not. It's not uh, on the same level as Tyler Huntley. Yeah. So. Yeah. But uh, with that being said, I do think he is the most likely of Cougs to be drafted. If yeah, well, if, well, if you want to go down the list, yeah. We, I mean, yeah. we got. Um, I mean, it's a short list. Abe Lucas is he? He's a retro well, sophomore. Well, Abe Lucas, retro sophomore. So he's he's, he's going to be back. He'll be back, yeah, yeah. He'll Blake Mazza, he can't. He's not eligible. Blake Mazza, he's, he's, he's a true sophomore right now, or he, yeah, no, 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 or redshirt sophomore, redshirt junior. I can't he, remember because he went the JUCO route. So yeah, he, he went he's Juco. listed as a sophomore. So mm-hmm. I, did, I, 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 you can still do that if you have if you're three years out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Travian Brown, uh, Max Borgie was an honorable mention. Did you feel mm-hmm. like any snub there? Like he could definitely felt into snub there echelon? in the sense that like he was leading a lot of those guys in all-purpose yards, like. You know, in the same way, you have to think proportionately about this, the stats of, you know, you know, the quarterback, like you don't want to overvalue Anthony Gordon because he threw for 45 touchdown passes when they throw every down. You also have to consider what Max Borgie is doing in the passing game and the fact that his all purpose yardage was much higher than, you know, well, he had more all purpose yards than I believe. uh, I can't remember. Was it Verdell? I believe that he had more than so i mean you know so i believe both the guys he had more all-purpose yardage than so i mean that and then at least one of them he had more touchdowns than so like i think you have to look at that a little bit more proportionally so that that one i do think he was he was skimped a little bit on that one he's t- talent wise he's definitely um second team worthy or maybe mm-hmm. in first team worthy uh and then rounding out the honorable mention josh watson uh, offensive lineman uh Aesop winston jihad mm-hmm. woods and like I was thinking, like with the honorable mention list, like why not just add Brandon Arcanado to it? It's not like there's a law. Yeah, that like, you was can't just, that was. Uh, there's no limit to honorable snub. mention. Like, painful <laughs> snub. Yeah, you know, there's no. Yeah, yeah that's irreplaceable. It's, like, <laughs> it's almost like you purposely left him off. Yeah. by leaving him out. You know, it'll be way know. more prestigious without him. Like what? No, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's you know, like, I that one was bizarre. But like in terms of guys who, in theory, have a chance of going to the next level this year, because I don't think anyone declares like Josh Watson. Jihad Woods, those guys are not going to declare for the draft. Like, that would be silly. Uh, but, you know, you have Aesop Winston who's graduating. You have Brandon Arcanado who's graduating. You have Marcus Strong who's graduating. I don't Marcus think Strong that really... they will get drafted. I think like the 40 think, times will be really important. I think, well, yeah, perhaps, but I think they will have a lot of upside as undrafted free agents and they will be, they could potentially be, you know, guys who are getting picked up immediately after the draft because I, I i do think a lot of teams see a great deal of upside in those uh those players so last week mike leach uh interviewed with uh arkansas uh to become the head coach uh and it ended up that his contract was extended another year so he's he's through 2024 and like the way i see the shock value of chris peterson stepping down I could see Mike Leach doing something similar where he leaves without much warning or anticipation. Is he in a place with a program now where these when he when he interviews like with Tennessee or, or Arkansas, it's not it's more for a show and not really because he's actually taking it seriously. Or could he leave out of the blue just like kind of Chris Peterson did? No, I don't think there's any chance that Mike Leach leaves out of the blue. I think the real difference here 
is that when you talk about Chris Peterson, you're talking about a guy who, yes, loves football and had, you know, like he'd said, he'd worked in football for forty consecutive was it thirty years, forty consecutive years, like forty. Yeah, 40 if you include his playing days, he's been around it for forty years. <laughs> yeah, and you know, he like he's a well-rounded man. Not to say that Mike Leach isn't a well-rounded person. I just think football is his life. Like, you take football away from Mike Leach, and you take away a lot of who Mike Leach is, a lot of his identity. And, I mean, you, I mean, I just don't... No one walks away from their identity like that. I think Mike Leach will coach until he can know. But what about leaving anymore. the WSU? Like, what about, like... Oh, I mean, like there's always a chance any, of leaving WSU. Any given I, off season. He, he, he'll he'll be signing with another we've program. We've talked since about like 2015, I think. We've talked every offseason yeah, about, about him Boomer, seeing another team. About yeah. him leaving, and he hasn't done it yet. And I think he realizes that he really likes what he has at WSU. And, and, you know, this isn't an unpopular opinion by any means. He doesn't have to deal. He has limited booster responsibilities. You know, he, like, like we had noted earlier, you know, he usually has to answer to like three reporters, and one of them's me. You know, and I can't even ask questions. So, like, that, there's a lot of things that, you know, that are just what other coaches have to deal with. He doesn't have to. And, you know, I think he also probably bypasses a lot of kind of the administrative politics at WSU, whereas he wouldn't have as much luck bypassing that at other bigger universities. So, you know, accommodate, and those are all like small things. Like, would Mike Leach love to have a bigger talent pool to, to draw from? Of course he would. But once you add all those little things up, it starts to, you know, counterbalance what it would mean to have, you know, to play in the SEC or something like, or coach in the SEC or something like that. So, I mean, I think he has grown warmer to the idea of staying in Pullman for like a serious long term. Uh, whereas like, you know, Maybe someone thought he's like he'd give it a solid eight nine years in Pullman and then be done. I think we could be talking double digits. You know, it appears to be on that uh, road right now, and yeah. uh, and, and we just got to catch up on some WSU news because we missed you last week. Uh, um, John Blanchett got roasted after the Apple Cup, and apparently he isn't the most popular guy in the WSU football building. Um, Mike Leach called him a sanctimonious troll, and he said that you know. You can live your little meager life in your hole and write nasty things, and if that makes you feel even, you go right ahead. And uh, like it just didn't bother me because like John Blanchett, I feel that he can handle this kind of interaction. Like it's, yeah. it's built into he's his a, personality. He's, a, he's, a, he's an elder statesman. He's been doing for it for sure. decades. He's got thick skin. He's there. There. Like sure. if he was doing this to a twenty-three-year-old like news reporter, that'd be a, that'd be a little awkward. But yeah, it's it's a level playing field. So I'm, it doesn't concern me. Um, and obviously there's multiple ways to look at it because as far as like journalism ethics and, you know, like dealing with the media and, you yeah. know, it's, but, uh, like he's done this before. <laughs> he's yeah, called well, okay. out reporters I, I understand past, what you're, like, I understand what you're getting at here, but what I, what I, cause I also didn't have a huge problem with it per se. Like you have two guys who are relatively old school guys who kind of just challenged each other right there and they both had something to say i think John's question was entirely fair like you don't hear him boasting about you know oregon and how you know they get superior recruits and like every time he beats them or something like that you don't hear him talking about recruits or anything like that in fact you never really hear him talking about recruits other than that weekend so i think it's entirely fair to ask that question even though it seems a hair venomous you know like you know, it's very kind of, you know, snarky. But when you behave that way, like you kind of, you deserve a question that looks like that. So I didn't have a problem with any of that. Um, where was I going with that? You know, I like, again, when you're going to be a columnist, like you, I'm sure there's a certain amount of respect that you, you, you think you're going to be afforded. But at the same time, like you're putting your opinions out there and, and not everyone's going to like your opinions. So I don't think John Blanchett wanted an apology, nor, did I, nor was uh, Mike Leach ever going to give one. But uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was fair game on both parts. Like, you know, Mike Leach, 
that's kind of why he's here is because he can do stuff like that. You know, no one's going to get too mad at him for doing this, for yelling at a reporter. Uh, so, you know, I just didn't see too. Yeah, on the outside, it didn't look like healthy interaction. But yeah, that's... it was it was a little intense sitting right next to John Blanchett. Yeah, and, and, uh... and oh yeah, because people don't know who John Blanchett is. You know, the, uh, outside outside of you know the WSU football community, when it goes viral and whole country's yeah. watching it, and they don't even really know like Michael Leach's situation, they don't understand that. No, he does this. This is just part of the this is part of the the deal. Like this is what you're gonna get on a consistent basis. Yeah. Uh, and then as far as recruiting classes go, uh, December 18th is National Signing Day. Uh, and I think uh, the the kid from Hawaii, right? He's he's going to be all in on yeah. Well, WSU. it looks like he's kind of championing, uh, you know, a kind of come to Wazoo movement a little bit. I've seen him kind of like retweeting other people's commitments and stuff, and and I mean that's you know a lot of players do that, but you like to see someone doing that considering when he's also has offers from USC and Ohio State, um, someone who seems to be fully on board with coming to WSU. He's definitely kind of the gem of that class. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that was big. And you also got a, a big commitment from a, a lineman out of Utah. Um, that was today, I believe. Uh, I can't remember his name. Um, I remember what he looked like. <laughs> but he was, he was, yeah, you know. 6'5", 315. Yeah, um, a Paul, you know, a Polynesian lineman. So that was a big pickup, and the, I think what's most important, though, is they got that Mike Leach contract uh, signed, which didn't necessarily pre- doesn't necessarily prevent him from entertaining other offers from other coaches, but it definitely kind of pushes down the perception that he is entertaining leaving. Um, so it was good to kind of enact that rollover one more time and get him uh, another year on the deal think that was that was good for everyone you know if you're a court if you're a kid like Jaden Delora and you know Mike Leach's entertaining offers you wouldn't fault him for maybe you know seeing what Ohio State has to say or something like that um so yeah I mean I think for what they have I think this is uh as good a shape as they've been relatively speaking in terms of you know not having their defensive coordinator, I think that probably threw a wrench into some things recruiting wise. Uh, but you know, all that all that aside, I think they're in a pretty good position right now. Now, for UW's quarterback Ethan Garbers, uh, Luke, he's not going to sign on December eighteenth, right? Like it, this appears to be a long game now for him. Yeah, I feel like he's probably not going to end up signing you on don't the eighteenth. So. Oh, okay, gotcha on the eighteenth. No, right, right. Yeah, I, I think I, I think that he will wait until February, um, and, and obviously, I, I think the main reason behind the first of all is obviously the Chris Peterson news. Um, and, and Chris Peterson, although he's not the offensive coordinator or the quarterbacks coach, is heavily involved in the offense. Um, I would say. I think the bigger hesitation for him is I think he probably sees not necessarily writing on the wall for Bush Hamden, but I think he probably knows that if there is someone on the coaching staff who's on the hot seat right now, it's Bush, right? So it's head then, coach and offensive coordinator. Yeah, that. exactly. And then he's the one like Bush Hamden is, is the OC. He's the quarterback's coach. Um, so that would be obviously a big deal. Um, so for that reason, yeah, I think Ethan – We'll end up waiting until February, seeing how everything pans out after the bowl game. If Bush Hamden ends up keeping his job, I think the Huskies would still be in the driver's seat. Uh, if not, I think uh, that he would likely end up decommitting. So, what's the alternative then? A grad transfer or bringing in somebody and bring in like Blake Gregory? Like, what are you going to do to kind of fill out the quarterback room then? Yeah, you know, that's a good question because if Jacob Eason ends up declaring holy cow yeah that's two gone like then they have <laughs> jacob sermon and dylan morris on scholarship Which you can't feel terrible about that well you feel good from a talent standpoint but then you're also two yeah. disasters yeah. away from blake or not even blake gregory because blake gregory he's a senior uh, now graduated yeah. yeah so then you're two you're disasters in, away from serious panic mode at that yeah point. i don't know yeah i mean i would be i wouldn't be surprised if jimmy lake is doing everything he can to keep to keep Garbers on board, you know, like I'm sure he's putting together a strong pitch to him saying, you know, it, well, either he's making a strong pitch to him or he is looking very hard for the quarterback that he wants um, and lo- is looking in a different direction. So, I mean, 
that's something that has to be hot yeah on well I, I mean I think one thing with quarterback recruiting is like the quarterback he wants if there's a quarterback that he wants that isn't Ethan Garbers for whatever reason that guy's gone probably probably you know probably yeah uh so for that like yeah I I, I don't know and th- th- that to say I mean if Bush ends up losing his job even if Ethan Garbers decommits um that doesn't mean that it's all over. You know, that yeah. there's a guy who decommitted from the Huskies earlier this year, Jacoby Covington, who I think will end up signing with the Huskies in a week. Um, but, you know, that said, it's obviously not an, an ideal situation whenever you have a kid decommit from your class. Uh, I guess you never know what happens from that point forward. Yeah, get mm-hmm. uh, Sam Hewitt to reclassify and, uh, and exactly coming class because it works in basketball. So let's do it in football yeah. as well. So how does like I've never understood how that works in basketball, but nevertheless, yeah, you got to get the credits. It's academics still, still. Uh, you know, that second half of your senior year doesn't really mean anything for a lot of people. So I think that's you know how you can leave in January as uh, like leave early. So well, I feel most people mm-hmm. do it way younger, like. They're mostly they're not reclassifying like in high school. Usually that decision is being made like yeah eight, seventh, for eighth grade. Eighth yeah. Grade, yeah. <laughs> so uh, a player that uh, UW is targeting uh, for twenty twenty one, you know, uh, join get him to join Heward is uh, J T Tuimalo. So um, is that how you guys pronounce it? Like is that uh? I've heard Tuimalo. Guess is as good he, as mine. He, he's a great player. He's a great kid. Um, he's not a kid. He's, he's a 6'5", 280 pound monster, but. <laughs> Uh, he's, he's a young guy, and he caught the supposed game-winning touchdown or did he? in the state championship <laughs> against O'Day. Uh, the score was 12-7, to and then uh, he caught this pass to make it 13-12 with a minute left in the game. Defensive and slugfest. Thing is, like, oh yeah, I mean, those are those are two teams that, uh, well, Eastside Catholic, they got some work to do on offense, but um, yeah, they. So they won. They won a state championship, albeit very controversially, because uh, people don't believe JT actually caught it. And then I guess there's two angles you can look at it. If you look at it from the front of his body, it looks like he caught it. But if you see it from the backside, you know 100% he did not catch it, or at least like, and that's my opinion. You know that he did not catch it. It, it like, have you guys got a chance to see uh, the video? Yes. Of, uh, yeah, of- Jackson. I'm gonna let you go first. Yeah. I he, here's the deal. I think yes. When you look at the replay of it, it's pretty clear he did not catch that football. It hit the ground, but yeah. without its. Possession. That's just simply <laughs> something you can't entertain because there is no replay review. And that's the question, man. Like that's that's the. But you know, I for a know, game of this magnitude, which I get it. It's high school football, but a state championship is still that goes in the record book. Yeah. You know, I empathize or no sympathize because there were at least a couple touchdowns that I caught where I was like, uh, I don't really know if I actually actually brought that one in, but I sold it off enough and like got a touchdown call. So, I mean, like I've definitely been there before, um, surprisingly. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's just tough because it's like, that's the game, like you. He know. did not catch it, yeah, yeah, and it should well, be. Well, as far as far as everyone could see, he did catch it, yeah. You know? But like upon further review, like I, what do you put an asterisk next to it? I don't know. Like, I feel like if you're, uh, you know, someone from O'Day, and you have to deal with that, it's like okay, but I also know you didn't catch that, and you didn't like you know you didn't win necessarily but yet you did like you get the trophy i I, it it could be infuriating i mean i don't know how you would kind of digest that but it's just it's i don't know it's a tough situation because you're right i saw the video like didn't catch that football and Eastside catholic winning a state championship it's almost like oh they were supposed to win it anyway so they won it (laughs) and not after (laughs) prophecy fulfilled oday smacked them though yep they did 28-6 the beginning of the year uh, and after the game, uh, Ritz Sports, you know, they interviewed JT and I said, hey, did you catch the ball? And JT said, yeah, 100% caught it. I made sure of it, which is yeah, exactly can't what... Fault, can't fault him for that. It's like, I mean, that's what somebody would say that didn't catch it. Though, of course. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's someone who Well, that's also what someone would say that did yeah. catch it, you know? Yeah, you know, exactly. Like He made sure of it. No and for way. the record, I mean, I, like, I don't know. Because I feel like what a catch means changes so often. 
But like at one point, I would make the argument that the ball was like it had stopped moving. Was from that replay, it looked like had stopped spinning and was like resting in JT's hands. I don't really know how to describe because it. Because it had already well. broken the plane. But it looked like the turf like moved the ball. Like it looks like I don't know. From he made a from so what I saw. Luke, you're saying that he made a football move after catching it, and then it not was necessarily like because I don't really know what a football move means. But I think the like the ball at one point was spinning because it was thrown right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it, it was moving through the air because it was thrown, and then at, at like a point in time, the ball was like had stopped moving. And was under the control of JT's hand. Yeah, and then it's dead. I just feel like he was bobbling that thing the entire way down, <laughs> you know. Um, but I, you know, gosh, I don't know. Like it's tough. And I also think like this is the negative side of having a lot of cameras and television coverage of high school football games is because the referees are not even They're not you, working <laughs> with the same technology that the media is working with. The media has greater technologies than the refs who can decide the outcome of the game. Therefore, you have everyone spec or commenting on it, saying, "Oh, like they got the wrong call. Like, they, of course they got the, they got the wrong call." And the refs didn't even have that technology. There's something about a high school game just occurring, you know, in that venue. The only film available are the wide shots and, and you know the you know the profile long view shots, which probably wouldn't have been able to d- determine if it was a catch or not. Like by for all anyone would have known, it would have been a catch in history and everyone would have called it a catch, you know, and it would have been a great play. But because the media was working with greater technology than the referees were, we all know it wasn't a catch and the referees got it wrong and there's nothing they could do about it. You know? I know nothing a, of the sort. It's a pretty ridiculous uh, situation. It kind of reminds me of that first se- uh, that first episode in Friday Night Lights when Matt Saracen, when he throws that game-winning touchdown pass... And everyone accused him of having his eyes closed when he threw it. And then the next week, Coach Taylor, he asked um, he asked Matt, Hey, Matt, were your eyes closed uh, when you threw that ball? And Matt said, No, Coach, my eyes were wide open. And it's obviously Matt doesn't remember or, he, or he's lying or something, but he believes in his heart that his eyes were wide open when he made that game-winning touchdown pass. Exactly. Um, so it, it 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 is a little bit of a psychological thing. I, I don't know why I thought of that when I when I heard JT <laughs> it's great, say it's that. A great. Uh, I think it's a great connection. Because it's it's like 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 with JT believes you, he caught you it. You often like, make uh, connections <laughs> to Friday Night Lights, especially in high school <laughs> football, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, uh, did you guys see Jimmy Lake at the game? Like, what the hell was he doing there? Recruiting. Well, yeah, he, he had to be there. I mean, support JT. <laughs> yeah, JT. Um, let's think. I mean, no. Sam Adams is committed. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and a ton of guys I'm sure he would like to commit. Yeah. DJ Rogers is a kid that's in the class that the Huskies haven't offered, but like, I don't know, maybe they will. There's, there's a coaching change. I thought it know? was just goodwill. I thought it was just like, Oh, I'm, I support all like I'm, I'm the head coach at UW and I support the community and oh, he wouldn't be wasting his be. time <laughs> on goodwill got business to attend to. All right, well, that does it for this week in Washington football. You can keep up with us throughout the week on social media at Micah underscore Chen on Twitter, at Luke Monger, and at Jackson M. Gardner. And if you have any questions or thoughts, please send us an email, um, MicahChen at Yahoo.com. And then your next edition of Washington Football Crunch will be next Tuesday, December 17th. For myself, Luke, and Jackson, we are signing off. Thanks. <laughs>